Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about Zodiac? I am, because after all, we, we are, are the, the watchers, watchers of movies. So, hello. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> Doing well, doing well. It is chilly today. It is nice out. I <laughs> usually I wait for a while before I turn my heat on because I really like getting cozy. Mm -hmm. And now I think I'm at the point where I need to turn my heat on. You know. Oh man, I, I usually stave it off because I just, as I said three seconds ago, I think it's just so much cozy, cozier to have like slight chill in the air and then you can oh yeah, cover up yeah. With blankets. But now it's like less. It's more than a slight chill. And that Today blanket is. looks amazing that you oh have Oh my gosh. On. My mom gave me this blanket for Christmas and it's so soft. <laughs> my my mom has one like that, like where it has like the faux fur on one side and then like the other side is like knit. And I was like, and I was <laughs> laying with it and I was just like stroking the fur side. I was like, this is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> this must be like half all animals asleep. feel like, like they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing <laughs> i'm just stroking the fur <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i like soft blankets you know there's this material out there that it's like my pet peeve material and it looks soft but then when you touch it it like feels like sticky it's not soft i don't know how to i don't know what it's called but it's deceptive because it, it appears to be a it's very like nice blanket blankets? yeah like it appears like when you're walking through the store you're like i'm a very tactile person so i like to touch things oh no no <laughs> I why do, I covid do. was very difficult for me but, um <laughs> uh you know what so, i just interrupt you <laughs> you know what an issue i have that's like followed me from like infanthood i don't know why but i love putting rubber things in my mouth like just chewing on them i don't know why i still do it <laughs> as an adult it's not like everything it's just like if it's like a thing that like i'm gonna discard later then i will but like yeah no it's like i'm like this is rubbery and then i'll immediately start chewing <laughs> like, so yeah so like like that but I, know. Different. <laughs> I mean it's similar -ish. it's a it's a oral thing right, mine's tactile right. yours so anyway yeah, oral fixation so if i see something that looks soft or any number of feelings that it could feel i like to try it out and give it a, a little touch and it it makes me angry when these blankets out there masquerading as soft blankets but they're this like weird material and i, I just think oh is it like polyester? buying them i i don't know the composition i just know yeah. the feeling it makes me feel and now i'm really curious <laughs> if we're ever to take to, yeah if we're ever like, at like meyer or something. or something i'll show you what okay. i mean because my mom this story is riveting but my mom had a blanket i was recently at their home because they were on vacation and my mom had a blanket in one of the bedrooms and i walked in and i was like that looks like one of those trick blankets and then I touched it and it wasn't. It was so soft. <laughs> one that, of those trick blankets. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> it is. It, you were right. It was riveting. Honestly, edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah. I saw you. You were leaning forward. I, I was very slightly by a couple of millimeters at least. <laughs> and it wasn't just to adjust something. 
No, no. It was in anticipation. <laughs> I always love that scene. <laughs> I love the music in that movie, in Rocky Horror Picture Show. But um, the more I watch, I have to not watch it. Like, I haven't watched it in a few years because I actually don't really care for the movie anymore. Yeah, um, I get, and it, I get when that. that when that realization happened, the last time I actually watched the movie, I was like, "Wait a second, I don't like this movie." <laughs> but the music is so fun, and I love the interaction, like in right. the costumes. Like when you go to a, a a showing of it, the costumes are awesome, and it's just such an energetic and fun atmosphere. But the movie itself is, isn't very good, I don't think. I haven't seen it in a while, but I. That's how I felt about like Greece. Like I was like really into Greece as a kid and as an adult I'm like I never want to watch that movie again. And also it's like that movie's got some parts where I'm like this is questionable, you know, <laughs> like that scene where um they're like at the drive-in movie and he's like groping her. I was like this is assault. Like this is not okay. And then the fact that they end up together like she had to run away from him. Like, I like that like <laughs> in order to be with him she had to like change herself. Like well, it, it's he not like kind of tried to change himself like he got more like preppy but then like he realized that she changed herself and immediately went back to him himself, you know? Yeah, this is a weird message in a movie as well. Yeah, I like, agree. You change everything about your like. Yeah. She went from this like sweet, like conservative, like young woman to this like tell me about it stud, like smoking cigarettes, and she's all like hot and shit, and like not that she wasn't beautiful before, but it was just like I'm like, bro, like is like it's he's a teenage boy. He's not worth. It. Is he a teenage boy? All of them look like they're in their late twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is not a an uncommon joke about that movie, I've, you know. No, but it's like uh, when you watch like teenage shows and like all of them are like close to thirty, and you're like, right, all of these people are fourteen. Yeah, mm -hmm, totally. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, like Rizzo, she's like, she looks like she's like forty two in that movie. <laughs> Like, I, I don't say, believe that I she got knocked Rizzo. up. She went through menopause already. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rizzo. I think Rizzo is probably she's like, a more interesting character i think so too i think she's the most identifiable because she's the most like she's the one that's like she's just human like she makes human mistakes she does dumb things and there's like perfect sandy you know like whatever but and and she's like an amalgamation of multiple facets whereas sandy is like her identity is that she's like conservative and a good girl yeah. but rizzo is like people think that she's a bad girl but she's really not you know right, she's just a right. huge like you said exactly yeah. but she's just growing up quote unquote because we know she's an adult but you know her character <laughs> right. is like growing up and experiencing things that are sort of out of her pay grade at this moment but you know so yeah she's yeah like that song better. she sings is like ugh. I love that song mm -hmm. she sings. Yeah, and the music in the in Greece, that's like another good example. Like the music is is pretty good. Some of them oh, are yeah. better than others, you know, just like Rocky Horror. So yeah, it's like, yeah, let's just keep the positive things about these movies, but we don't need to keep watching them. <laughs> no, no. So how are how are you? Um, I'm okay. Um, I was feeling a little bit depressed. I'm saying depresso espresso, espresso depresso. I can't remember which one I say depresso espresso. Um, yesterday, so I was like, okay, you got to go out and you got to be with people. And then I went out and I felt like 10 times better. And I came home and I was like, in a way better mood. 
And, uh, you know, so as I've said before, I had a, my, uh, a major life setback recently. So it's kind of been little playing with a lot of my emotions. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And then I started watching this show <laughs> while well, I rewatching a show called the good witch. It's incredibly cheesy, but in my depresso espresso state, I need something cheesy and makes me feel good. You know? Yeah. Like there's no like real true problems in this show. You know what I mean? Like the worst thing is like we had a really bad snowstorm and someone <laughs> hit their head. Like I mean, and like there's maybe like in the first season they try and kind of get like a little bit more like racier, I guess you could say. Well, I wouldn't even call it racier. Like there's one girl who's like running for like because she's supposed to be a witness and like some um trial with like her ex-boyfriend or whatever and she's like but they never like tell you what the ex-boyfriend did but he's like going to prison so i'm like what did he do though? he ate all the cookies <laughs> like they're like he was naughty um but everyone kind of like has the same like inflection in their voice and like none of them can really act and it's a fun it's a fun show i mean it's definitely like it will definitely make you feel good, you know, for sure. So it's on Netflix if anyone cares to, to watch it. But it's, uh, it, there was a bunch of movies, I think. And then they made a TV show. So, oh, like Hallmark movies? Mm -hmm. Lifetime, I think. Oh, it might be Hallmark. So <laughs> same one of those. same <laughs> monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lifetime is a little bit more into like the crime thing like they'll have be like but like all their movies are like my mother stabbed my stepbrother and now she's after my father it's <laughs> like, the kind of crime i like to watch right <laughs> i'm like oh good they told me the plot and the story or the title thank god yeah that was that is what their titles are like like a stabbing for christmas <laughs> Yeah, it's like a stabbing. Yeah, like uh, um, there was one that I was watching, and it was like some stupid like Lifetime, or yeah, it was like a Lifetime movie, and it was like about this woman who like seduces this like guy and like gets in like with his his life and his like children and everything, and so the younger girl or like the girl like the daughter finds out that this woman's like super shady, and so she like confronts her. But the dialogue was so bad that she, like, repeated the same thing, like, twice. Like, she's like, you're here to steal our money and do this. And then, like, later, like, maybe two seconds later, she's like, you're here to steal our money and do this. And I'm like, you literally just said that same line of dialogue, like, two seconds ago. And it's just, like, really terrible writing. Or it's, like, they falter. And another take would have just taken care of that. But instead, they're like, this is perfect. Let's just do it. And yeah, I was like okay, Edward, calm down here. Let's maybe do another <laughs> one. All right, it's pretty. They're pretty terrible. They're. I don't. The fact that there's a, a lucrative market for them is like a, alarming to me. Yeah, because Mike and I will watch them sometimes in in snippets. You know, like just and just like laugh at them and make fun of them. And it, but then I think there there's like there has to. I mean, people don't just watch them to make fun of them. So there's. A legitimate market for these mm. movies and that like what what kind of people are those people it's bored housewives that's for me that's <laughs> we've talked about housewives. that too because earlier you said something about how like she seduces the guy <laughs> and like in a lifetime movie seduction is like two barbie dolls like they don't actually have genitalia 
I know. It's just it's just like passionate wine drinking and uh like just the woman yeah <laughs> or or the woman is like talking into her mirror as she's getting ready and she's calling herself like Mrs. Blaine Hazelhoff. That sounds awesome. And and then and then she goes to Blaine Hazelhoff's fa- uh house and and they drink wine and then that's that's their that's how that's in the it. lifetime network that's how babies are made like that's <laughs> yeah. what it is so it's very weird and like and the, they're like grown adults like mike and i watched this one it was called i think it was probably called like of fir trees at christmas or something stupid like that it was like this uh inn where they were hosting a wedding but these two people who were like high school sweethearts and hadn't seen each other in a long time were coming back together at this wedding. Like they didn't know that the other person was going to be there, I think. And they're, they're like grown adults, probably in their 40s. So established in life, probably have had many romantic relationships. And they're like so coy with each other. Like the man's brother was like, I saw you were spending a lot of time with Sylvia. And the man was like, oh, whatever. And I was like, why can't you just say, yeah, I really like to be around her. She's interesting. (laughs) But these movies make them seem like they're like 14 year old spirits in 40 year old bodies because I don't know that's entertaining for people, I guess. But they're like, yeah, tonight we're just going to hug very passionately. I um I so that sounds more like Hallmark because Lifetime I think is more like serious stuff whereas Hallmark I get them mixed up but I think you're right it was probably a Hallmark movie because Hallmark is like obsessed with holidays and love and but like weird love I love Hallmark there's no there's no passion that's what I think one of the biggest things that bother me about those movies is there's especially the Hallmark ones, is, is there's no passion. Yeah, it's very neutered. Mm-hmm. Like, the two leads could have chemistry, but it's going to be like a very muted chemistry. Yeah, yeah, it's like, we had the most romantic evening. We walked around Candy Cane Lane and drank out, drank out of empty coffee cups and bantered in a way that seems like we hate each other, but we actually don't. I hate that, that and, trope. Like, the- like, oh, he's such, a, he's such an uh, awful businessman. And I'm just this small town, innocent coffee shop owner. <laughs> and it's and Christmas. In the big city. And he's stuck here now because there's a massive snowstorm. And oh he my has, God. We should write for Hallmark. We he has a, so well. And he has a precocious son who watched his own mother get crushed by a Zamboni. So he's very afraid of ice skating rinks. <laughs> That's too good. Um, we should watched, write for Hallmark, right? I so I watched this. Speaking of back to Lifetime, I watched this Lifetime movie where the parents of these kids, the parents were literally like, because it was it was um, shit, I can't remember his name, but I knew the actor, and he was like forty, and the kids were like twenty five. <laughs> And like they, but like they were clearly like the the adults, like the parents were clearly supposed to be like at least twenty years older than their kids, but they were like maybe ten years old. They were like siblings more right, than yeah. Right. And I'm watching this, and they're like, and like the dad's like you know giving like a goodbye kiss to like his kids, and I was like, what is this adult grown man doing kissing these like adult grown children? And they're like, dad, and I was like, wait. <laughs> 
Is that your father? Is that like your daddy? Oh no! <laughs> and, and like so, like, and then they had like then they had like a third daughter like joined from like a previous marriage who was like even older than the actual sibling. Like so, she like she looks like she could be like 35 like legitimately like they're like only five years away from each other and i thought that the the father was sibling like i thought that that was his sibling like i was like that's his sister and then he's like this is my daughter and i was like no 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 it's just like i i would respect those movies more if the actors that played his children had that same response when he introduced her like how old is she because she looks like she's like five years younger than you dad when did you have this child like it's i mean it's like is no like is is there no like casting assistant who's like hey casting director um i just looked on his imdb page and he's 35 and this girl that you cast as his daughter is 32 so maybe let's not do that <laughs> you know like i don't think that they have the time or energy they just don't care i think that they yeah they, they just, just like, turn the way. movies out they like put a little bit of gray like fake gray in his hair and they're like that's good enough maybe like drawn like wrinkles with like a like an eyebrow yeah <laughs> that's the yeah exactly yep. and then they're like see now he's a dad he's old now you, you can tell because he has gray hair <laughs> and those wrinkles that look really fake those movies yeah. i know so. i don't know they're not my they're fun to watch and make fun of but i Oh, yeah that's all i can say about that i love i love hallmark movies i love hallmark christmas movies i'm not gonna lie i'm totally one of those people and it's i don't know at this point in my life i like it's one of those things where like you know people like say it's a guilty pleasure but i'm like i don't really feel guilty about it so but it's it is cheesy especially since like i have uh, like I have a movie podcast but I'm like but I love those stupid movies. well to set your mind at ease I love like teen romantic comedies that are I say well done because obviously like the kissing booth sucks and I've seen plenty of teen romantic comedies that are just like, like terrible like- but that's why I watched the kissing booth the first time I watched it because I love teen like romantic comedies and and so i feel you there's always something like everybody has something you know and like that's why i watched the to all the boys i've loved before on netflix movies and you know so i get it watch he's all that um i the guy that's in it is from cobra kai and so it kind of like put me off to see him in something outside of cobra kai so i i didn't I haven't watched it. Um, Do you think you're gonna watch it? I don't know. Probably not at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, who knows? I doubt it. But Matthew Lillard and Rachel Lee Cook are in it. Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe I will then. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just saying because he has he has TikTok and he was making videos with like his co-stars and stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I might watch it. I don't know, but I just was saying I get it. Like, my thing is that, your thing is Hallmark, so yeah. I get it. I just love those cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. It's the only time I, I mean, that's really the only time I watch it is around Christmas. But Christmas starts in, like, September for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, like, before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Maybe after Halloween, but, you know, for the most part, yeah. 
sometimes even in August it starts. Really? How does it start? Um, I start going, I hate the heat and I miss Christmas. Well, not Christmas, but the cold. And so I turn on a movie that has snow and it soothes me. <laughs> it soothes my soul. Your weary soul. My weary soul. <laughs> anyway. You were to talk about the movie? Yes, I am. So, so synopsis. From, oh, yes. Yeah. So the synopsis is that people start dying around California and California. And they, the police start noticing that it is a trend with, and you know, and this serial killer who's named himself the Zodiac Killer starts to send in... Um, ciphers and like letters to like the newspapers and to like the police but this one dude Robert Graysmith played by Jake Gyllenhaal becomes obsessed with the story and he's like I gotta figure out who this guy is so it's the like first half is kind of more focused on them trying to figure out who he is and trying to collect all the information about him and then the second half is more about Robert's obsession right yeah this Um, based on a true story Mm-hmm. So the reason that we decided to do this movie is because a cold case team has uh, ID'd the Zodiac Killer as Gary Francis Post. Um, they also believe, so <clears throat> the Zodiac Killer is connected to five murders that happened between 1968 and 1969. Um, but there's also another woman named Mary Jo Bates, or no, is it sorry sherry joe bates that they thought had that he had killed her before the whole like thing in san francisco so the fbi is still leaving it open as an open case but you know they so there's like a bunch of coincidences that like connect them so he was an air force veteran and he had received medical checkups for like a gun incident at a hospital that was uh, 15 minutes away from the Bates murder scene. A wristwatch with paint splatter on it was collected at the murder scene and it was thought to be worn by the killer. There's also a heel print from a military style boot that matched the same size and style found in other Zodiac crime scenes. So it's kind of like more coincidental um, or what's that called? when they circumstantial circumstantial yeah but um you know i mean oh in his ciphers this was from fox news by the way in his ciphers they had mentioned that like he had wrote his name on there because even even in the movie remember like um paul avery handed robert graysmith like the the ciphered thing you know that that couple did but they had like a bunch of extra letters at the bottom so I guess to like really fully be able to decipher it, you need to know his name in order to do it. So anyway, it's still, it's still considered an open investigation, but it's really interesting that they have connected this guy to it because it sounds like he's like, it sounds like there's a lot of evidence pointing to the possibility that he could very well be the Zodiac killer. I th- I actually think it's weird that they said they ID'd the Zodiac Killer. It just seemed to me like they named another potential possible Zodiac yeah. Killer. And so I was reading, after I watched the movie, I read a lot of like news articles and the Wikipedia page and stuff. And it doesn't seem like there's... And actually, I, I was really frustrated because one of the articles 
was like, yeah, there was like a secret message if you put his name in one of the ciphers, but we can't tell you that because the guy is going to put out a book, like the guy, one of the guys. And I was like, so this just seems like he just wants people to buy his book. It yeah. doesn't really, it didn't feel like there was any more evidence for this guy than there was for like Lee, Arthur Lee, what's his name? Arthur Lee Arthur Miller. Lee Allen. Arthur yeah. Lee Allen. Lee Miller. Arthur Lee Miller. Arthur Lee Allen. And, and there was another guy whose name that I did not memorize who also sounded like he had a lot of like one of the the women who answered one of the calls was like that guy's voice sounds just like the guy who called me and then so it really seems like they're just like naming names for their own gain and it didn't seem like he is actually the zodiac killer or any more the zodiac killer than any of the other people that they suspected yeah it's it seems to me that if you're like okay so i'm just gonna try and like i don't i'm just gonna try and like put these scattered thoughts together so just like hold on um it seems to me like if you're out and you're killing like five different people within a year you know you're not gonna suddenly just be satisfied with killing those five people you know what i mean like once a serial killer always a serial killer you know you can't ask a leopard to change their spots like that's just like so i have a hard time believing that there's no other like shady event or like an assault or an attempted murder or anything else that's associated with this guy if he was like because you know what i mean like like he wouldn't just stop serial killing after 69 well in going in the movie and i don't know how historically accurate this is but there was a letter that he wrote to the chronicle where he was like now i'm just gonna start killing and it's going to look like everyday crime. You're not oh, going to yeah, know it's yeah. me. So if that's historically accurate and that is what one of his letters said, then, I mean, anybody who's like, oh, this was like an attempted burglary could have been right. him. Or, oh, this woman was abducted and killed could have been him. Or, you know, any number of murders. So I, I mean, like, because I, I know what you're saying. Like, it'd be weird for him to just be like, now I'm going to kill and now I'm going to stop, you know, right, especially right. since he got away with it for his right. whole life if any of the men that they've named are actually the zodiac killer i think they're all dead now and they all got away with it so yeah yeah i mean it's been 50 years mm-hmm. yeah it's been over 50 years so it's a long time if you're in your 30s let, let's say you're in your 30s you know you're gonna be i do say i'm in my now. 30s <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, you're an old so, man, and, and right. if you're dead now, then you never had to, to pay for your crimes, you know, so right. you could just keep criming. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting, too, because in Steve Hodel's book about his dad, um, he connects his dad. Like, there, there was a couple, there was a lot of information there where I was like, okay, yeah, I can see this. I can see why you say that George Hodel killed the Black Dolly. I can see this. I can totally see this. But then there was like kind of these speculations that Steve Hodel would go on where he'd be like, well, I also think that my dad was the torso killer. He was a lipstick killer. He was the Zodiac killer. And I was like, let's, let's slow down here for a second. <laughs> so, you know, like, and while I don't necessarily think it makes him less legitimate of a um like a suspect for the black dahlia murder or a like or or i guess steve hodell doesn't make steve hodell less legitimate you know um it to me it was like 
after I saw that they had ID'd this, like, I was like, I knew that he wasn't the fucking Zodiac Killer. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, whatever. I just thought that was interesting, too. And I, like, wanted to bring that up because I was like, when I was reading the book, the, it's called The Black Dahlia Avenger, I was kind of like, what the fuck is he going on about, you know? Yeah, I um, I think that that's part of the reason the story is so titillating for people is because you don't actually know who the Zodiac Killer is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really appealing for people who uh, have a bent to just dwell on something like that. And especially if you know your dad was potentially a murderer in the California area or whatever. Um, yeah, California. Yeah. And And if you're writing a book, what better way to sell books than to be like, also information about the Zodiac killers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's like, it's like Spartacus, like. Everyone wants to be the Zodiac. <laughs> Everyone wants to be the Zodiac. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that there was, I mean, I, I can see why he might make those connections with his dad, but it, it also seemed like, it, it just seemed like it was a little, like a little over the top, you know, like there yeah. were some other things like, like I think it was the lipstick killer that he had talked about and he kind of connected and I was like okay I could see this I could see this but the Zodiac felt like I was like that's I think you're reaching just a little bit there Steve like maybe pull back just a tiny bit you know but I can also imagine that it's not easy to write a book about your father being a potential murderer you know like even if you know he was a homicide detective for years and years but it's your father regard even if you don't have a good relationship with him which he kind of like he didn't really until towards the end of George Hodel's life but it was still like still your dad regardless you know and still the like and I I would think it would be a struggle for you personally as well because it's like well how much of my father did I get in me you know what I mean oh yeah yeah like am I the same way well now you're talking like Mr. Brooks (laughs) Oh, Mr. Brooks. <laughs> anyway, so um, so what do you think about the movie? Uh, I don't like this movie. Um, <laughs> and I just don't. I just. I. It's. I. I believe my phrasing about David Fincher was that his movies are long-winded and bloated, and this movie is no exception. Um, the thing is, I, I saw it when it first came out. What was that? Two thousand seven. Yep. And I liked it when it first came out. Uh, and there were some things in the movie that were very tense at the time. And I remembered them being very tense. And I remembered enjoying it. And then recently, within the last like year, Mike expressed an interest in watching it. And I said, yeah, we should watch it. It was good. And I hadn't seen it since that one time I saw it. And I watched it with him. And in the middle of the movie, I was like, oh my gosh. This movie is never ending. <laughs> and... The things that I thought were tense the first time I saw it were not tense anymore. Um, I did not have the same visceral reaction to any of the movie. I was just like so bored and it's so, um, it's such a, it's such a superficial movie and I'll get into what I mean by that as we go. And it's just, I just don't, I don't like it. And I, feel similarly i watched it again obviously for the show so i watched it this week 
And like before I had to watch it, I was like, I have to watch Zodiac. I have to watch Zodiac. And then I watched it. And then after I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, I finished Zodiac. Thank God I finished Zodiac. (laughs) I just don't like it. It's long-winded and bloated is the best thing I can say. Uh, I do have, I mean, there are things about it that I picked out that are positives, but it's just overall, I just, um, I I don't like the movie. And uh, after the movie was done, I read probably a little too much on the real Zodiac killings. And that's like pretty disturbing and i thought to myself like i need a palate cleanse because i think i read too much about this and so yeah yeah the good witch so there's also that um such a disturbing story and that's how i feel how do you feel um so i'm actually not totally in disagreement with you um, which might surprise you because David Fincher is one of it my favorites. It does surprise me. And, um, I, and I had texted you and I said that this movie was way too long and there was too much exposition and there was not enough action. And I still stand by that statement. <laughs> um, I think that the thing is, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I dislike it. I don't think I'd care if I ever watch it again, though. I think it was, it was way too long. And I honestly think that they could have cut in out an hour. Oh, yes. And it would have been like just as an effective of a movie. Yep. You know, it was, there it was probably would so have been much talking. Way you know? more effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and the, I had like a pretty, like, the murder scenes I was like very tense with but even the basement scene and we have talked about this before did not have the same effect to me at all this time like I was telling my parents because I watched it with my well watched it with my parents they were like in and out the entire time as I was watching it um and of course they're like so what's this guy's story what's this guy's story so like how many Lauren how many people did he kill and I'm like oh my god just watch the goddamn movie (laughs) um but um I think it's a very interesting story, but it's for what the story is about. The movie is like, it kind of, it just like kind of leaves you wanting something else. You know, it's, it's again, it's too much exposition and not enough action. And it has like, it, it maybe should have more of an emotional component to it. And it doesn't have enough of one. Yep. Yeah. She's agreeing with me. Um, I'm nodding. I'm nodding, yeah. Um, and I, like, I wouldn't, I would definitely not say that I disliked it. But again, I sold that movie. I guess I, I must have sold it. <laughs> because I swear, like, I, like, swear that I own this movie. And I, I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it in my shit. I couldn't find, like, I have, like, a list on my phone of all the movies I own. Um and I couldn't find it in there. And I was like, am I losing my fucking mind? Like, what is going on? I swear that I own this movie. And I must have sold it. Because past me must have been like, Lauren, you don't like this movie that much. And I guess past me was right. Because I don't I don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. I don't dislike it. But again, I'm fine with never watching it again. It's just, it's a very, it's like what you said. It's long-winded and it's bloated. And I'm a huge David Finger fan, but even I would agree with that with this movie. It is, it's two hours and forty minutes, and it is so unnecessarily, like it's too, it's too long. It did not need to be that long. That was totally unnecessary, you know. 
Yeah. And I'm glad you said that about the basement scene because that's like suspect number one for me. Because I remember when I was watching it with Mike and I was thinking like, oh, I can't wait to get to that basement scene because it was so tense the first time I watched it. And when I watched it again at that point, I was so bored by the whole movie that I was, I was just, it just, it was like nothing, no response for me. And, and I, and that's weird. And that kind of reminds me of like, so I was reading up on the movie as well after watching it as well as the killer but i was reading up on the movie and it was saying that like zodiac made like a bunch of top 10 lists for that year and it like was nominated and i can't remember if it won academy the academy award was definitely nominated and i thought like that year i probably would have agreed because after i saw it in theaters i liked it and my memories of it were positive and it reminded me of the movie dunkirk for example which um when I watched the movie Dunkirk, I thought it was so tense the whole time I was watching it. And I was just like on the edge of my seat and I was really in like invested in the movie. And I was like, this movie is just like one long, like, like holding a breath almost, you know? Right. And then I never think about that movie. Even the next day after I saw Dunkirk, it was, it was like it was wiped from my memory. Like it's just really had no staying power. I have no desire to watch it again. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like Zodiac maybe got all of us in 2007 and a point of vulnerability. <laughs> and we all thought that's a great movie. And maybe because the mystery was strong enough to carry you through watching it one time, but now I'm like, I I think that I I would never call this movie great. I would never watch it again. I I, ha- I was interested in watching it again with Mike because I had such a great memory of watching it the first time. Yeah. But it just it's dead now. Like it killed it watching it. And and yeah. so I think that it's interesting that I would have agreed with all the accolades. And I'm curious if all the people who put it on their top ten lists would feel the same watching it now that's right you know, like that's something that i wonder like if is everybody watching it for the second or third time and feeling like they did the first time because and that's not like it's a phenomenon that's weird because i've watched scary movies or thrilling movies where yes i know what's gonna happen but it's still th- like signs for example still gets Love me signs. it still gives me chills and I know what's going to happen. So it's not that like the mystery is ruined. Like in Zodiac, Zodiac is suffering from a different phenomenon that I can't quite explain because it's right. not the phenomenon of, well, yeah, you know the story. So who cares? Right. Because I've seen movies where I know the story and it still gets me. So it's something else. Like Hush. I've seen Hush probably five times now. And that movie, every time, is still like, this movie's so fucking tense. Like, even though I know it's going to happen, like, it's so tense. It's so scary. And you're like, ugh. I, so I, just to tell you something, um, I was watching 
like my sister started midnight mass and I was like, no, don't start this. Cause I actually want to watch it. Like, and I don't want to sit here and like, I, I, like I wanted to leave like, or something like, you know, those are my parents' place. <laughs> Your poor sister. Like, now she has to wait for whatever you like. <laughs> oh no, no, no. She'll watch it on her own. Oh, I yeah, see yeah. No, no. Oh, you didn't want to be like stuck there. I didn't want to be. See. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought you were like, wait for me and I'll watch it. No, no. I, I was like, you can watch it on your own. I just, I will probably watch it like by myself, but um kate siegel she's also in hush and she she's in like so mike flanagan's the director for hush but he also did like haunting of hill house he did a haunting of Bly manor he did a night mass he's coming out with that that poe related like series that i was talking about that i'm excited about and um because they're gonna do the house the fall of the house of usher and that's like such a creepy fucking story and i'm so excited <laughs> um and um so she I always said that I thought she looked like Angelina Jolie right and so I was telling my sister I was like I was like ah yes the poor man's Angelina Jolie and my sister got so offended and I was like why are you offended this isn't a bad thing she's like don't diminish what she's done in her life and I'm like I am not I am saying that she just looks like a poor man's Angelina Jolie. <laughs> like, it's not an offensive thing. It's just that she's like not as well known as Angelina Jolie. And you like, you're not going to say, like, oh, hey, you know, Kate Siegel to someone. And someone's going to be like, oh, yeah, that actress. You're going to go, hey, you know, Angelina Jolie. And then they're going to go, like, oh, yeah, she was in blah, 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 whatever. That's what I mean. <laughs> I just mean that she's less known. But my sister got all offended. And I was like, I, it wasn't offensive. It wasn't meant to be offensive. Maybe your sister knows her. She personally. knows her. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but she's Kate Siegel's in a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff because they're married. So I'm assuming that's probably why. Oh, but, yeah. Um, she's really great, though. She's a very great actress. And I am not diminishing what she's done. Like I never thought saying poor man's anything was diminishing. Yeah. I always thought I didn't even think it was about the work. I always thought it was like this person kind of looks like Angelina Jolie. So she's poor man's Angelina Jolie because she looks enough like her where you see the resemblance, but not enough like her where she could be where she is. And you know what I mean? Right. Right. Like I never well, thought it was talking about like how well known or anything she is. No. You know? Yeah. That's exactly. It. Well, for me, it's, it's it, for me, it's usually just like a, like an off brand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, like I'm yeah. not, not like saying, I'm not trying to like objectify or anything like I'm getting all flustered because of this because I did not mean it in a, like a derogatory sense at all so it was like it's it, yeah like to me it's just it's just more like a they kind of look like the person but they're not so they're a poor man's yeah. version of that person yeah 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 I don't know whatever it's like a caricature yeah, yeah. sure yeah, yeah. yeah. so so anyway um so zodiac yeah i definitely thought that it was it was very um long-winded and i did like the i did like mark ruffalo and everything and his whole like i i liked the characters in it you know what i mean but i for sure think that they could have cut down quite a bit and it wouldn't have made much of a difference Oh, it would have made a big difference i think yeah. if they cut it well down. yeah that's what i mean but like you you get what i mean like it would have been it would have been more tense it would have been more exciting um it's just like i don't know there are definitely a couple scenes where i like the scene with like ioni sky you know 
which I didn't even realize. I forgot that Ione Sky was in that movie. Um, but, you know, she has, like, the baby, and she, like, f- like tosses herself out of the car. And that was a very, like, scary scene because he's driving with her, and he's like, okay, before I kill you, I'm going to toss your baby out the window. So you're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Ugh. that scene is intense. Um, and the fact that it's based on a real event yeah, is really kind of bonkers because um so in real life the same thing happened as it was well i'm sure there's are there are some differences but so this woman was driving in a car like shine like flashed its lights at her and she pulled over and the guy was like hey your left wheel is looking wobbly i can like tighten the lug nuts and in my 2021 brain i'm like nobody I'll just drive to my dad's house. Nobody is going to touch my car. I've gotten this far. I'm fine. Right. Um, maybe I'd slow down on the highway and I'd be like, okay, I'll drive a little slower, but I'm not going to let anyone touch my car that just flagged yeah, me see, down for on me, the side I of the road. I would just do it myself because I know how to do it. Well, I wouldn't have gotten out of my car. Yeah. I would have just <laughs> said, either. I right. said, oh, thank you for telling me. <laughs> I'll go get it worked on. And then I'd drive on. But that's me in 2021 you know, in 1970 or 71, whenever this inter- interaction happened, I think it's it's like overdone to say it was a different time, but it was a different time. And oh, yeah, no, she definitely. was so trusting. She was like, sure. Yeah, go ahead and tighten the lug nuts. Mm-hmm. And then of course he did something that made her tire, just, her wheel just come right off. And then he gave her a ride and he was like, well, I didn't know there would be a baby. And then all the, what you, what you said before. And I was like, Things like this that are based on real events um, have like an extra intensity to them just knowing that somebody went through that. And it's kind of weird to be entertained by that when somebody actually endured that. And I, right. and I feel a level of discomfort. Um, I feel a level of discomfort like even related to like true crime gives me that level of discomfort because I'm like, like if my loved one was murdered in 10 years, somebody would be sitting at a desk being entertained by my loved one's murder. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's something that I, like, I I think everybody has a fascination with murder and crime in some capacity just because it's like, the darkest part of humanity and when we try to wrap our brains around it but there's another angle that's hard because it's like somebody went through this terrifying event like somebody endured this somebody has this person has loved ones who had to endure the aftermath and how does this all work into us using it for entertainment and making money off of it and i'm not saying that i don't i'm just saying that's always swirling in my brain in a in a way that I can never reconcile like how much do I how much am I allowed to enjoy this versus how much like you know correlating with how terrible it is like and and I can never reconcile that and sometimes I go down the road of like hearing stories about people being murdered or hearing you know and there's like a little bit of entertainment there and then you have to think to yourself like wait a second am i is this schadenfreude on my behalf where i'm like i'm sitting on my couch and i'm very cozy and i'm watching 
a scene where a woman is almost murdered with her baby or I'm watching a scene where these two teenagers are shot in their car and it's that scene has a parallel in reality and that's really um that gets to me sometimes um yeah like those two teenagers or they're I guess they were like one of them was in their 20s in the beginning of the movie like they're real like they this really happened to them and that's very scary and I have a hard time like I find myself innocently enjoying things like that for a second enjoying is a weird word but I'm just trying to like make it like as simple as I no, can I understand I, I find myself sort of enjoying stuff like that for a second and then I pop back and I'm like this isn't like a writer didn't make this up like this is these are lives like real lives and and that's that's difficult for me right yeah I so I have a couple thoughts about that um I feel the same way like I'll, I'll listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts and stuff with like children always really bugs me um especially little girls because it, it, little boys too obviously but I am a woman so little girls I feel a little bit more you know you get it um but like I'll be listening and they're like and then eight-year-old like Susie like got into this guy's car and I'll be like and I'll let him like oh baby girl no please don't and like it's just like and I and I get what you're saying and I also think like so with the the first murder the two teenagers so the guy that got shot who's later played by um the like older version was played by Jimmy Simpson um and the the younger or the woman so the woman was married like and imagine being her husband and finding out that one your wife is murdered and two she was murdered while she was like out cheating on you like fucking double whammy like can you you even like how do you even feel at that point like grief anger like you're like angry at her but you're also like sad that she's like murdered and you're like well what could have happened like I mean I just can't even I can't imagine that and I can't wrap my head around that either because how like it's like what you said is we're we're entertained by these scenes but they are based on real people who really died and it's I think it's I think that as far as showing that I think David Fincher walks a respectful line you know what I mean like he's not it's not like an over what is that like exploitation or whatever you know um but it is still like a very heavy subject to portray you know and there is a point where I feel like you can't really portray it respectfully because regardless of what it is, it's still a murder, you know? So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's just, I, I, I can never fully lose myself in stories like that. Um, I'm not saying I don't find them interesting. I'm not even saying that they don't intrigue me and I go down rabbit holes. I like all that stuff happens. I'm not totally innocent of, anything i'm just saying i can't i guess reconcile is the word of the day i i just can never fully do that because i was the reason that i'm talking about it is because i looked up things about the murders and i told you that i think i read just too much right. um and there's like photos you know like these people were murdered in a time when there's photos of them well they're so still, they still take photos but no i mean like 
they weren't murdered in like 1700 where i'm looking at a painting like oh, oh yeah, they were yeah, murdered yeah, yeah, in, yeah, right, in, right, in, right. in 1969 and i can look at their high school photo and and they're just like kids they're children right. who were snuffed out and and it's i it's if this movie was a fictional movie i wouldn't i wouldn't feel this way i'd be like oh it's it's really intense but it's it's very weird to to know and i think i'm like beating a dead horse but it's just so that's something that also like i struggle with um and it's not i didn't feel like he was exploiting it at all i just feel like as a society we sort of in some ways exploit stuff like that for entertainment value and and i'm i'm totally guilty of it i'm not saying that i'm not it's just i that's the struggle that i face with things of this nature um and and so that's sort of i just i i just know i went too far down the rabbit hole with the zodiac story because it's it, it's just it's an intriguing story like we you know as we're people who uh, curiosity gets the best of us you know so um so that's yeah that scene with the car like just don't let people touch your car <laughs> yeah i um, and he drove yeah. away when like when the, we don't know what well i guess maybe i mean the guy did live in the the vehicle like the right. first murder he did live but like he drove the murderer drove away and i was like if that was me i probably would be like we gotta get out of here like you know what i mean if somebody acts yeah. shady you leave the scene well, and- i wouldn't i don't think i'd even stop for them you know like them flashing their lights at me like, oh well, yeah you're talking about the woman yeah oh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah sorry i'm sorry i went back <laughs> to that you're right i totally um oh yeah okay so the first scene oh yeah i don't know why they they were like huh interesting that car's driving away and then they heard like the screeching tires i would have been like no no yeah shit. exactly there. i'm like i'm like doing the like like, like she's shifting drive, like, she's shifting. shifting i'm shifting gears um <clears throat> i would have been like I would have been like, okay, first of all, that guy like paused, waited around, and I would have immediately been like, uh, and I probably like the second he would have left, I would have been like, I don't feel comfortable. Let's get out of here. Even if my partner was like, no, it'll be fine. I would have been like, nope, I'm sorry. Not listening to you. I'm going to follow my instinct. Even if you're mad at me later, because I don't want to get murdered, but like, or worse, then, like, I mean, murder is pretty bad, but I mean, like who knows what could happen to you up until the point of dying oh yeah no i mean as far like (laughs) this sounds terrible but like as far as true crime goes you just being murdered is way better than like a lot of other shit that could happen because there's a lot of really bad people out there um but like so he comes back well you're assuming he um he comes back and parks right behind them so then they can't leave and that was like i would have rammed his car i mean like at that point it's like who cares i'll pay i'll pay my deductible yeah you know i'm we need to get out of here like your life versus like uh, like a couple like hundred or thousand dollars whatever like yeah no Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) like it's better to have to pay that deductible and to get the fuck out of there and still be alive 20 years later than to like you know be like oh shit maybe should have left and i'm being shot at so it's too late so yeah, yeah. it was that is a very tense like um it's a very tense and interesting way to open the movie but that does not keep that same level through the rest no, like you doesn't. said but yeah. i mean you made very good points like like you said it doesn't 
And, um, and I like, like one of the reasons I think it's interesting where they're pointing the finger at Arthur Lee Allen through the whole movie, because I think that's what Robert Graysmith said in his book is uh, Darlene, the woman in the car, like seemed to recognize him. And that's mm-hmm. an interesting story. And then you find out later when she, he's talking, um, Robert's talking to his sister in prison, how like Rob, uh, Al, I can't remember. I'm, I almost come to Robert. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, Alan wait, wait. Lee. Was, was the, so the first girl was Darlene, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and then who was the one that was in the Cleo Duval played who? She played her sister, correct? Oh, okay. Was it? That was her sister? That's what I thought. See, there's like so many characters in this damn movie. It's just like, <laughs> well, know, regardless, it up. he's talking to somebody who knew Darlene and she's right. like, I yeah, this guy, used, this guy would come to Darlene's parties or he came to a party and like, he didn't say anything and he would give her gifts and, you know, and, and. I oh, thought that that was I had someone like that in my life that like would get creepy give me gifts like now I'm not sure if this is 100% correct so just like take it with a grain of salt I like I'll explain <laughs> you're giving me a story like or you're giving not a story you're giving me a look like what um so his name is Charles or Chuck and he used to come to the shop all the time the guy was like in his 50s I think had missing teeth and he um there's something about him that I was like, mm, and I was talking to one of my coworkers, his name is Jeff. And I was like, Jeff, I don't know what it is, but I just get the feeling that, that Chuck is on the sex offender list. And he's like, really? And I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like, I have no reason to believe this, but I, I think that he is. And so we looked it up and he was on there. And he would come in and bring me, like, he brought me, like, a cat figurine. Oh. He brought me, like, a necklace. And I threw them all out. I was like, nah, nah, this, I'm not bringing this Carmen. (laughs) That's creepy. But there was, like, this, this is, this is the part where I'm not, I'm shaky on the information. Um, I think that there was a place right near where my family's restaurant was, where it was, like, it was like rehabilitation for people who were sex offenders. And I just remember, and I always associate this one couple, even though I could be totally wrong, but every time I ca- they came in, they gave me like, they were like too happy and they gave me the major creeps. You know what I mean? Like they were like always smiling. They're like, oh, we love some fries. And I'm like, why are you always happy? Stop. Like you're freaking me out, man. And it was like, I was like, <laughs> like, like what's going on but anyway so I told my dad about Chuck and how creeped out I was and he goes oh Lauren you're not even his type you're too old and I was like <laughs> <"He's-> dad <laughs> anyway it's like, like it, it didn't seem like he was trying to groom me it just seemed like he genuinely liked me you know what I mean plus I was like in my 20s sure at that yeah point, so yeah yeah but um I mean just because I think just because somebody is a predator doesn't mean that they're pr- predating everybody what's right, the word right. <laughs> I'm looking at right plus plus I was like a little too old to be groomed you know at that sure point. and you were working there with your parents yeah and, yeah, yeah. No, I think he just did it because and and the thing is like I kind of liked Chuck too and it's hard to like it's it's I feel like this maybe corresponds with what we're talking about now is that like it's it's like you can watch something or you can know someone 
and you can be like entertained by them or entertained by what you're watching but then you have to think of the real reality and the real reality is that some child out there has suffered due to his actions Mm -hmm. and it's hard to separate like oh when you you enjoy this person's company or you genuinely like this person because they're kind of like a fun guy but then you go oh my god they're a fucking pedophile it's like it's just very it's like surreal you know what i mean and and i've actually never even put that together honestly like that's i'm kind of like blowing my own mind right now like where i'm like oh my god (laughs) i'm like freaking me out a little bit actually (laughs) well what i thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say to tie back to the movie was that like we all have a tendency to let people into our lives who we just don't want to deal with not letting into our lives and so i was thinking like in regards to the movie like this guy arthur i can't i still can't i can never arthur lee allen arthur lee allen was probably like a creepy lee allen lee allen Allen, i'm gonna call him um was like this creepy guy who darlene didn't want around but yeah you know you don't want to hurt his feelings not because you're afraid of him but just because you're like well he's weird but he's harmless he comes to my parties and he doesn't do anything and he gives me weird gifts but it'd be more awkward for me to try to stop this activity you know right right and so i think it's that's that's one of the things I liked about the movie is that they continuously pointed at this Lee Allen fellow, and I feel like there's just as much evidence for him as there is for any of the other right potential Zodiac killers, and so I I like that they. I well, like there's a lot more evidence for him though. Yeah. yeah, and like I really like when I said the movie was superficial, I meant and you nailed it on the head. You said that there was like something about like there was not as much emotions and there wasn't yeah and there just wasn't as much character development like the movie no. is so bloated like there's a scene well there's where, too many characters that they're focusing on yeah you know? yes and there's like, a scene where wait, wait can i interrupt you real quick like because a perfect example of that is paul avery who's robert Downey jr's character like he ends up becoming an alcoholic but we don't know why we don't see any of his journey to become that way we just see him become this bitter like you know, and then he dies like pretty young. He dies like six, like at sixty six because he's like has emphysema or whatever, you know, or lung cancer. So, but there's again, it's like, so we see him had this spiral downwards, but we never see reason why. Yeah, yeah. Like there's this scene where all of a sudden, uh, Paul Avery is living on a houseboat, and I don't care about that scene. Right. I don't care about anything. Like, don't put Robert Downey Jr. in the role of Paul Avery. Instead, make Paul Avery a B character because that's what he actually is. Give right. him like, make Adam Goldberg Paul Avery, you know, right, right, and yeah. and just have him in and out of the story a little bit so you can tell the story of like that not Paul Avery button and stuff, you know. Because I think that there are there are aspects of the movie that would be really good if they just like just tighten it way up, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like um. Yeah. When Jake Gyllenhaal, Rob, playing Robert Graysmith, is sitting uh, with Mark Ruffalo, who plays the who plays Toski, the yeah. the sh- deputy or the Which detective. Every, every time his name came up on the screen, because it's T O S C H I, I want to be like, it's Toshi. Toshi. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be like, this is Agent Toski, and I'd be like, it's Toshi. <laughs> like, they were sitting at Toshi. they were they were sitting at a diner, and uh, Robert was like, you you know, you, this this case is 
involving hundreds of people over many, many miles, right? And Toski was like, yes. And Robert was like, door to door from where Darlene worked to where Lee Miller lived is 50 yards. And I think that that, like those little moments are like very, um, they're like exclamation points in a movie. But this movie is so bloated which is also the word of the day is the movie full of pyramid periods with the ex with the occasional exclamation well these exclamation points are just like at that point i don't care because i've watched i've watched superfluous scenes of paul avery on a houseboat playing video games i've watched a date between uh Robert Graysmith and his second wife Melanie at an Italian restaurant. I've watched all these things. Yeah, and there's like no build up with them whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They just like are suddenly married. So you're like they're suddenly married and also suddenly on the cusp of divorce and for with no. There's no. But you don't care that they are right because there's no sort of emotional like connection with that. Yeah. Yeah, and so and I really liked. I did take um. I took a note. Is there something I really liked early on in the movie? And that's when Mark Ruffalo, who plays Toski, and then Anthony Edwards, and I don't know what his character's name is, but he was like the partner. Um, Goose. Um, he played Goose in uh, Top Gun. But anyway. Did he really? So he, those two are solving the crime of the, the taxi driver that got murdered. And oh, Inspector Armstrong. Inspector Armstrong. Inspector Armstrong. Yeah. And so they're talking back and forth. And I really like this because this A is when we're introduced to Toski's character and Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And we're introduced to their partnership. So the first thing we see of them is that they are a partnership and they work very well together and they trust each other very much. And it's so, it's such a good scene because. Um, you're introduced to all these tropes that you're going to get really sick of later, but you're not sick of them yet. Like Toski really likes animal crackers, which I don't care one bit about. Oh, after, I thought that was, I like that. Like, that was, I after that, that was scene, cute. after that scene, I was like, cut it out. The movie's not strong enough for me to be entertained by him liking animal crackers. I and, thought it was a cute quirk, but I agree. It was not, it wasn't, and it was completely unnecessary. It was overdone. Yeah. And um, so so anyway, in that scene, they're working out the details and Armstrong is like, so he waited until the taxi driver put the car in park before he shot him. And then they're going back and forth and, and Toski's like, well, why would you do this, this, and this? Is it because you're an idiot? And then Armstrong is like, no, you're not an idiot because you put the you waited for the driver to put the car in park. And I was like, this just like pulled out of the movie and just you just watch that scene. It's like a really compelling and intriguing scene right, and yeah. character development and um like putting the pieces together and solving a crime and but the rest of the movie was not like like that like a lot of the movie was just like Toski being mad because Paul Avery did this and then Toski going trying to deal with other jur- so they, they like bog it down with like oh jurisdictions can't give away certain evidence to other jurisdictions and it just becomes this like cat and mouse game and it's just it's exhausting to watch. I'm sure yeah. it's exhausting for him as a real person to have to deal with jurisdictions, but it's just so exhausting to have to watch this back and forth that ultimately leads nowhere because yeah. Robert Graysmith gets all the information when he's trying to write his book. So all the scenes we watched prior to that were pointless. And then yep. the coup de grace of all this is that... Crudité. Yeah, the crudité <laughs> of all of this 
is that Toski is dropping later in the movie. Toski is dropping Armstrong off at home, and Armstrong's like, "Keep the car. Today's my last day. I got to transfer." And I was like, "What? They didn't talk about this before that." I at thought all? that too. I was like, if I was Toski, I would have been pissed. He I would have been like, "Yeah, you're my partner, and we've been through so much shit together, and you don't tell me that you're burnt out." Like I like. I'd be like, I am completely like support you and wanting to change what you want to do. I get that this is a difficult job, but bro, like you're kind of throwing me to like the wolves right now. Like I'm alone now. And I, I would have been like, if I was, Toski was so cool about it. He's like, oh, okay. But I would have been like, wow, fuck you, Armstrong. Thanks for letting me know. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I refuse to believe that that's how any partnership like theirs oh, ends. Yeah. I, had, because I had a very hard time believing that. Too. They had it's, the kind of partnership. Too, yeah. Where you go to like, too sudden. yeah, you go to like your children's birthday parties, yeah. you know, and yeah. they were like friendly with each other. And like, Armstrong would wake him up in the middle of the night and like have his animal crackers ready, you know, and yeah. things like that. And I just like see that's the things that I like that I thought were cute was it was like he was like I got you, bro. I got your well, animal crackers. Yeah, you know? and just I think if the movie was better, that I like that's a good little little quirk. But I just that didn't make sense to me, and I I like cut out all the crap and show us. Either focus the movie on Mark Ruffalo's character or focus the movie on Jake Gyllenhaal's character or yeah. focus the movie on Paul Avery, but you can't do all, all of these characters and you can't just throw things at us. I agree that the timeline for the real life murders is, is quite, you know, like the timeline for the crime solving is quite long. Right. And they can't fit that all in. But I mean, you can still, you can do something with it. You can take one character and have things revolve around this character and 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 then like later on, i think the movie i think the movie would have benefited from being totally about toski and then with all these other characters just being side characters and then um and that's that's just better because the zodiac also like frames him or somebody frames him. who frames toski is it the zodiac or somebody else because they, they like they like yeah, stole they letters that, that he like, wrote he when he was younger he like wrote letters to somebody and like somebody stole the letters and like reworded them or something yeah or something like that. i can't remember see that that's the thing about this film and like as i said as much as i love david fincher i agree this film is bloated it's like it's i can't remember really any like very strong specific scene where they're talking versus like the more tense scenes you know what i mean like there there's not really any sort of scene that really like sticks out in my mind and that's an issue you know when you have a two and a half hour movie and most of it is forgettable because it's just not that important mm -hmm. that's an issue and i agree with you that see i think what they would what would have been good is if they had focused like mostly on toski and mostly on gray smith and because it is mostly about Graysmith, it's mostly about his obsession with this. But the thing is that it's like, I think it would have been more interesting to dive into like the psychology behind what is happening with Robert Graysmith and his obsession with this. Like, is it something that like happened in his life to cause him to become obsessed with this? You know, and but you never find out. You don't like really all you know about Robert Graysmith is that he is a cartoonist. And he's a little bit shy um, and kind of like soft-spoken. Um, 
which by the way like as I was watching this movie I was like I had like hearts in my eyes for like a young like Jake Gyllenhaal I was like he's such a baby I was like look at that cute little precious face um and uh but I, it, yeah, it was, it was too much. And Paul Avery was like way too focused on for what it was. I think that he should have been a way more minor character. And I think that they still could have had Robert Downey Jr. in that role because this was kind of before Robert Downey Jr. got really big again with Iron Man. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good point. So he was kind of like, he was like, he was kind of the, at the point in his career where he was getting back out there because of, you know, like the whole going to prison and everything when he was younger um and you know building himself up again but it wasn't like to the point where it is like now where he's like a huge mega star you know what i mean that's actually that's true you're right it was out before iron man i believe like like you said so yeah that's a good point he was fine for that role just cut the role down exactly yeah so like because the interactions between them like in at the bar i i rather enjoyed Oh yeah, the Aqua Velva. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I want to try that drink. I'm super I, curious about it. <laughs> that's another um, exclamation point in the movie that uh, I think is early enough where it's still amusing. Where Robert Downey Jr. is like, or Paul Avery is like, "What is that drink?" And Grayson is like, "You wouldn't think it was weird if you tried one." And then like the next scene, they're sitting in a booth and there's like a bunch of empty glasses. And I love that he's like looking through them as well. Yeah. Just like resting on the table. I know. Yeah. I I like that scene too. I like that scene a lot because it's like because it shows them as like people. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think like Robert Graysmith's story is interesting as well because there were some scenes early in the movie where I was like, this would make an intriguing and compelling movie because he's like telling Paul Avery that he like got these books out of the library for like cryptograms or whatever. And, and one of them is called the Zodiac alphabet and all this. And, and, and I think like, also there's, there's a scene where one, the caught the guy who sells coffee at the Chronicle offices, like says that people call Gray Smith retarded and I love that scene. Robert, our, uh, yeah, Robert's like, does it bother you that people call you shorty? And he goes, does it bother you that people call you retard? And I was like, oh, damn, that guy just brought, like, that coffee guy, guy got to a knife fight. Like, yeah. And then later, and then uh, Robert Graysmith walks over to Paul Avery. He's like, do people call me names? And Paul's like, what, like, retard? No. Like, he didn't even hear the exchange, but. But then, it like, was like a classic Robert Downey Jr. Oh, line big time, too. yeah. Like, you know, was... and then, and then, but then Robert goes to the date with Melanie, and he says to Melanie, "Oh, yeah, Paul Avery, I work with him, and he has, there's an anonymous tipster in Riverside who's going to give him some information." And Melanie's like, "Riverside's far away," and he goes, "I don't know if Paul knew that." And I was like, "Paul lives in California. He probably knows how far away." Although certain cities are Robert didn't though you know yeah but that's I mean like he was a weird character right and Wait, I Robert think Graysmith Robert's or- Robert Graysmith is a weird character yeah. and I'm not saying I'm not trying to correlate that he's I'm not trying to use the word retarded I'm just saying in the movie they convey that he was a weird guy but they don't convey it enough for me to be like he is kind of a weird guy it's just this hearsay conversation where they may call him names around the office and then we see him acting kind of strange but we don't get any like in depth like anything about robert graysmith which would lead into a good story about why he gets obsessed which i'm 
agreeing with right, you. Right, right. Like, well, why like, does he get so obsessed and why is his marriage falling apart? But he seems to not even care. Like, yeah. his wife makes really good points. She's like, should you tell people you're making a movie about or a book about the Zodiac? Because you know they know where you are he could find you and then he gets calls at night of people yeah. like heavy breathing and i'm like all of this would make a fine like a great movie without all the crap because it's yeah. an interesting story but we don't know anything about why graysmith's like doesn't seemingly doesn't care that his wife is leaving him because he's obsessed with the zodiac and it's yeah and like and it's weird too because she's like the kids miss you and he's like well i miss them but they can't see me like this and i'm like then take them out for ice cream like go somewhere go hang out and spend time with your children because this is first of all a vital time in their life when they like they're growing and they need their father they're with them you know and also like it, it, it's just like these are your kids man <laughs> you know like well this is your wife and your yeah. your life like these people are still important so i i agree with you i think you're 100 right like we need the movie needs to focus i i think toski would be a great subject but i agree with you that gray smith would have been a great folk a better focus like a a great alternative to focus on like yeah. either of those characters we need more information about them because you're totally right like we need yeah. to know why he's motivated the way he is yeah and and with like Toski's motivation it makes sense because he's a cop but we really don't get why gray smith yeah is exactly what you said is why why he's so motivated but also there's just a lack of like um like there's not a lot of chemistry between him and melanie so like they're suddenly married and you're like okay like like i don't i don't care that they're married yeah i don't have any reason to care like you've not given me a reason to care that they're married like i would i don't need a lot but just a little bit of like a relationship growth between them so it's enough where you're like oh they're cute together i want them to be together like that would have been great too you know? yeah well yeah and also like melanie comes off kind of unpleasant as well because yeah their first date is consumed with zodiac stuff because right. he's like oh i better go home and wait for paul to call me because the tipster might have been dangerous and she's like okay we can get the food to go and she's like on board with it like this is their first date and then by the time we see her again she's like upset that he's obsessed with the zodiac and i think to myself like what did like on one hand i'm like he should probably pay more attention to his family yeah and on the other hand i'm like but what did she expect yeah like and we need to see <laughs> yeah like i would like to see more from her like more of the neglect that led her to leave you know like yeah. oh what, yeah big time what's yeah. happening here and so yeah it would have benefited from just more yeah and you know i i understand why she left and i totally empathize with why she left i would have too if i were in her position like there's no way that i would have put my kids in danger because my husband was like not being like able to keep his shit together and away from this fucking zodiac thing like there's no way that i would get like put my kids in a position where first of all the zodiac knows where we fucking live he's calling these creepy heavy breathing calls not saying anything like that's terrifying and he's you know like he has killed multiple people and stated it to the police and like there's so much where and like the whole like i'm just i i get it like i totally get it but the part of it too that really bugged me with with robert was how seemingly like careless he was with his son finding out information about the zodiac like i was like 
he's watching the news and they're they keep saying like oh the zodiac says that when he sees a a bus full of kids you know he's gonna blow out the tires and then he's gonna kill the kids one-on-one as they they're hopping out of the bus and the the son hears that like like several times and if i were the kid that would have given me nightmares for years like that would have been something i i would have obsessed over as a kid because i would have been like this dad the zodiac killer is gonna kill me i can't go on the bus you know like you know, like and how would you like you know what i mean like and like why would you not think that as a child you know what i mean yeah well the movie should have explored the kid being like afraid but right, you're right. right you're totally right they never the kid just seemed like the kid seemed like like just a, a human body taking up space yeah, he, was he didn't like, he was just like a mannequin yeah like, like he didn't react he they, there was never like moments between him and his son there was nothing like that there was like the scene in the beginning when he like swallows the like um the toothpaste oh yeah yeah and that's and he, it and he yeah. was like well don't do that and then that was it you know yeah and i thought it was weird this is pr- i mean this is based on a true story so it must have happened but kids in california go to school on august 1st yeah like I, that felt like i mean it, that it felt like a movie 70s, though that's what i mean like that yeah. felt like a movie oversight to me where they're just like we need to find a place for him to take this kid but I was thinking, do, does school really start that early? Yeah, school school used to start in, the, in August for us when we were in. in the when I was in state. school, it would start like the last week of August, not August first. Yeah. So yeah, I, just, I mean, it's probably August, yeah. it's probably accurate because why would they change that fact? But it just seemed weird to me that I was like, why is he dropping him off to school? I always remembered getting so mad when I had to go to school in August. I was like, no, I will go to school after september 1st and then a minute before <laughs> like but it was you know uh, i used to say well <laughs> had to go i say now i guess that the best part about being an adult with a job is like i don't have to experience summer break because oh. summer break oh, yeah. ending was it's always so sad i know i mean i would love a summer break but then you always come to the end of summer break you know and then, I know. And then you're back like, to reality oh. yeah i know and summer break was like it was like magical yeah like with your friends and oh man yeah had some good memories anyway right yeah pretty good childhood i think um something that i really like that i i find fascinating in any movie is just when i get to see how things work especially like things i've never been a part of so i really liked seeing how the newspaper office worked and how they took pictures of the the letters to print i thought that that was yeah i thought that was cool montages and i really liked the montage at the beginning where they show like Langley and like these FBI and CIA places and school places where they're all like handing out the crypt- cryptograms and like being like, this is how we can solve them. And then it says breakfast nook of, and it talks about the, the people, like the husband and wife. So like, know, all, these, like that too. all these intense places. And then it's like, they're in their breakfast, breakfast nook and they solve the, the they're puzzle. Wearing, like, their pajamas too. Yeah. I know. I love that. Cause he's like, He's like, do you want to ch- take a crack at this? And she's like, sure. And then like later you're like, oh yeah, it's this couple and whatever. And they then de- they decipher this. And I was like, what a cool couple. I know, you know right? What I mean, I was like, what an awesome couple. Like just a neat group of people, you know? Yeah. So the story sets up pretty good. Like yeah. the murder happens and then you follow the letter through the newspaper office which is cool and then you get to see the meeting where they're all reading it and then you get to see the equipment how they're putting it into the paper and then it it sets up nicely for the first like i don't know 
half hour, 45 minutes of the movie, you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm invested. And then it, that's when it just starts sprawling into this yeah. just like it just goes disastrous real slow yeah, yeah. um i like i like what was his name i think it was marcus belly or belly or whatever um played by yeah brian cox oh it's another brian cox was in kiss the girls so we had we're having <laughs> like a, a brian cox spooktober as well yeah yeah um he uh like they had the uh or the zodiac killer called into his show you know oh yeah and i liked i liked that whole thing because this was like first of all they were like keep him on for 15 minutes and out loud i went what 15 minutes and i was like i was like that is so long i was like that is the longest conversation like i like barely like being on the phone for like 10 minutes let alone like like 15 minutes is forever and obviously a lot of technology has changed and now they can lauren like track the you have personally called me and talked for like an hour (laughs) literally so i don't know i don't know who you're talking about right now (laughs) like literally four in the morning last night i was on the phone for 45 minutes yeah like I i mean like I know I do talk. We've talked, and it's fun, but like but I, sometimes but I'm it, talking it, to my friends. Though it's not like I'm I'm not talking to the Zodiac killer. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, if you're the Zodiac killer and you want to be on TV and you have like this manifesto that you want to say, then I don't think 15 minutes would be hard at all. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. That's I do true. think if you're the Zodiac killer and you've gotten this far, you probably know. And they even mention it in the movie, like he knows we can trace the call. Oh yeah, so for sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, Zodiac Killer is obviously a smart guy, you know, mm-hmm. with this decipher or this the cipher, whatever. Um, one of the parts that kind of bothered me about how much they were focusing on the graphology, the graphologist, you know, um, because while I think handwriting analysis can be legitimate, I think that you're putting like that's too much focus, I think, on something. You know what I mean? Because it's just circumstantial that someone would have similar handwriting to someone else. You know what I mean? I think that you can't put any real weight on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> did I just say, you know what I mean? Like 12 times I did. I okay. feel like I'm watching an earnest movie. <laughs> I, uh, my cousin's husband, I, I like stayed with him for like a little bit when I was like 13, like for like a, I don't know, like a month or whatever in San Francisco. And, um, and, I would hear his name is Doug and I'd hear him on the phone and literally like every other sentence he's like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I know what you mean, Doug, I get it. <laughs> I do know, I do know what you mean and I agree with you. And I think that that's one of the things that they should have given more of. I liked like the the various crime solving techniques would have been interesting to learn about. Like, because in my head, I was thinking exactly what you were thinking. You probably know more about it because you follow like true crime, but like I can probably deliberately change my handwriting if I wanted to, but I wish that they would have gone into the science of studying that because there's probably things that you can't change, even though you think you can change. And like he talked about the K and how like his K's on the earlier letters were two strokes and then his K's on the later letters were more strokes. And I thought that's so interesting. I wish that they would have some sort of monologue from this guy a little bit longer to be like, you know, you can try to deliberately change your handwriting, but there are characteristics that will always shine through unless you're like, you have to be like extremely good or, right. and, and he like, amp, like Lee is ambidextrous. And so 
I think that's an interesting aspect where how he said that ambidextrous is one thing, but there would still be similarities between the hands. And, and then there was another guy who briefly said, you know, if you take on a different persona when you're committing these crimes, like almost like a different personality, then your handwriting could change. And I thought that that was interesting, but they didn't ever explore any of those interesting aspects very much they just explored like you said like oh this doesn't match and that's it but yeah like there's so many variables i wish they would have explained those variables that we both were thinking of and so it would set our minds at ease right yeah that would make more sense but it it seemed like it was too it was too much focus on it like like it almost seemed like it was too absolute i guess you know what i mean yeah when you're right if they had explained it a little more maybe that absoluteness would have been like okay that makes more sense as to why they feel that way but to me it was like you can't commit or you can't like commit someone to prison commit that's not really whatever you can't send someone to prison <laughs> i'm like committing to like an insane asylum it's more like okay like a psychiatric whatever psychiatric unit um you can't <laughs> put someone in prison for murder just because their handwriting matches a piece of paper that has all their handwriting on it. You know what I mean? That's like that, like, sure, that could be part of it, but it's like, is it, it makes me wonder, is it like the same thing as like a lie detector test? Lie detectors are still used, but they cannot be used in court. They are not usable evidence. So that like, one of the things that, that I hear in my, in my, um, my murder podcast is that they say like, if you are, or you are like, someone thinks you're a suspect or you're a person of interest in, in a thing, don't take a lie detector because first of all, you can trick them. You can fail them. Even if you're telling the truth, because it's not about, it's about like your heart rate. So like, I'm an anxious person, so my heart rate might speed up even if I'm telling the truth because I'm nervous. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's it's just like, it, that's what makes me wonder is like, is graphology on the same level as like a lie detector? Like, yeah, we can still we can still look at this and we can still go, okay, this is interesting that it's like this, but it can't actually doesn't have any actually like real weight to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just because like people have varying levels of artistic skill as well. So that's, it's an interesting science and I I am intrigued by it because I'm like, can somebody trick you if they have the skill level or is it untrickable really? You know, like if you looked at something that I wrote as a kindergartner and something I write now as an adult, could you tell it was the same person that wrote them? Right. Or did my handwriting in, undergo enough of a change? You know, like, what is that science? And I think that that's interesting. But then they they also had, like, flippant comments calling into question, like, the character of the guy who did the study. They're like, oh, that guy's, you know, retired and he's an alcoholic. And then, like, a new guy was like, yeah, I, I think we could get a match. You know, and so there's all these, like, all this information just swirling around in the movie but none of it is satisfying in any way well it doesn't feel like it doesn't it it, like it feels like it's not it's like something like a sticker that lost its sticky like it just doesn't 
stick anywhere you know like it's kind of floating on the air like it's like you know you're trying to put it on different surfaces but nothing is quite like sticking you know and it's and and that's exactly like I totally agree with you because it's a lot of information and and they're giving the viewer a lot of information but at the end of the day like like 80 let's say like 75% of that information is not not something that we as a viewer need. Mm -hmm. So like, why aren't we getting down to the meat and bones of this? You know, why are we so focused on the superficial shit when we should be trying to like dive into the deep end of it, you know? And, and I like, and I can't believe that I do agree with you on this because I am such a, I am very surprised, but I totally agree with you. I think that this movie, like, as I watched this movie this time, I was like, this movie's way too long. It, sh- it should not be this long. And I think it, it is an interesting, um, I mean, the, you know, material is very interesting. Like the Zodiac Killer is a very interesting subject, but if all you're giving us is stuff that at the end of the day doesn't need to be said, then it, there's no reason to do it. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's too it's too long-winded. That's what you said. It's too long-winded. There's too much, too much talking and not enough action. And I found myself very bored during all those exposition points and like, yeah. So I think it took me like three and a half hours to watch this movie because I had to pause it. Yeah. I was pausing it a lot as well. And, and I think that there's, moments that are really interesting like um like they talk about how the zodiac killer called brian cox's character's house and talked to the maid and the maid just so casually was like oh yeah i talked to the zodiac killer on the phone he said (laughs) she was so casual about it i was like i would have been like what tell me everything (laughs) yeah she was so casual like it was like an everyday conversation and he told her like today's my birthday and i i want to kill somebody for my birthday and she was like he said today's my birthday and i want to kill someone and i was like she's mental she's a mental maid Um, and and i liked that uh robert graysmith was like it fits because lee's birthday is what like december 18th and that was the, the period of time that he called and things like that i thought in a in a better movie would be very interesting because he's putting all these breadcrumbs together and finding right. a suspect and and then later like i'm i'm kind of unclear and i paid attention to the movie but every time i watch it i'm a little bit unclear as to how he gets turned on to rick marshall and goes to that guy's house who makes the movie posters because that's not lee allen that's a different guy who just no i don't think random rick, i don't think it was rick marshall it wasn't Rick Marshall's house. It was a different dude. Right. But right. he got turned on to the fact that Rick Marshall, for some reason, somebody said he was a Zodiac. And then he went to that guy's house. And I I still am not clear on the details I surrounding. Can you, okay. I can tell you what it is. So what happened is Rick Marshall worked at, um, at a theater. And he thought that he was writing the posters for the theater. And the guy whose house he went to had all those posters left like in in storage so he went oh over because there. it was a it was a close the closest handwriting yeah match. yeah so okay. he went over there and that's the basement scene where he's like he's like oh so rick marshall did these and the guy was like no i did all these and then that's when it starts getting creepy well first of all the guy locks the door with a key yeah <laughs> he, like, he locks key. his door from the inside which yeah is weird. yeah 
And so, like, and that scene is, it is creepy. It is very tense. It is, yeah, it still is. It just didn't have the same, I didn't have the same reaction to it, but it is still a tense. Oh, yeah, no, it's still tense. And I wasn't, like, if I had been in my apartment alone, it would have been a different reaction, but I was with my parents, and they were kind of, like, going in and out of the room and, like, chatting. So it wasn't really creepy because of what was happening in my external circumstances, but yeah, so that's what he went over there to look at the posters, and then he realized. Then he starts like hearing someone walking around and like turning on the water, and um, and yeah, so that's why he went over there. And then there's there's like this a few lines where he's like, "Didn't Rick Marshall give you a film reel that was that he didn't want you to ever watch?" And this guy whose house he was at was like, "He he did, but he took it back. I don't have it here anymore." And and so all this just feels like this, like, I don't know, 15-minute interlude about some guy named Rick Marshall who yeah. disappears immediately. Right. You know, after that yeah, scene like is over, they never him. mention him again. And it turns back to, like, pointing the finger at Lee Allen. And, and while I agree with you that that scene is tense, and I do like it because there's this moment, like you said, where he's like, no, Rick Marshall drew these posters and it's the closest handwriting match. And the guy says... No, I drew those posters. Yeah. And the actor that plays him is very creepy. Yeah. Um, he kind of, like, I've been finding, and I don't know. Charles Fleischer is the guy who plays him. I, um, I, I keep having this thing where, like, there are, like, certain men in, like, movies that are reminding me of the dude from Holy Motors. And that guy kind of He did. Me. Yeah, he kind of does. You kind of get that, like, like, time. like. I wouldn't say they really looked alike, but I also keep getting like a va- like I'm not quite sure what the dude from Holy Motors like quite looked like or something like that. Like maybe because he changed like his appearance so often, but like I keep finding myself watching these movies and I'm like that guy reminds me of the dude from Holy Motors. Yeah, and it's really weird. Like and it, it's only like it's really weird, but it keeps happening like just randomly, and I'm like, huh, are you him or are you not? <laughs> but, um. And there's a creepy factor with, like, there's a creepiness around old movie theaters and, like, projectionists because, you know, projectionists kind of, like, live up in the dark attics of the movie theaters and they, you know, and and I think that that's interesting. That's a very interesting persona and it's an interesting profession and he's like, well, let me go look. And, And he takes him down to the basement and there's all these like film reels and he, oh, oh when he's looking because the most dangerous game was something yeah. that the zodiac killer quoted in his one of his letters yeah and it's like mentioned several times yeah yeah several times and and so the guy's like oh yes we did play the most dangerous game at my theater and then you hear the footsteps above and robert's like are we alone in the house and the guy's like yes would you like to go check and you're like oh get out of there but then he he gets to the door and the door is locked from the inside and then that scene ends and we just that was, it's oh, that just whole thing was so creepy though like the first time I saw it it was very creepy but it's just it's pointless now like yeah. unless they build it they needed to build it more they needed to do I don't know like the scene in its in and of itself if, if you plucked that scene out of the movie it's it is very tense but in the grand scope of the whole movie i'm like what was the point yeah there really isn't any point because rick marshall's like well and i think 
may maybe part of it is the reason why they had Rick Marshall mention is because when he goes to visit Cleo Duvall, who it was her friend, by the way, because I looked up the last name, not the same last name as Darlene. Um, and he was talking to her and her character said, I think her name is Carla. Her character said something like, well, if they were, if she was married, they wouldn't have the same last name. Oh, that's right. Maybe whatever. Either way. So she's like, no, she's like the guy that Darlene always hung out with. His name was like some sort of nickname. And Robert Smith is like, it was Rick. She's like, no, it, was, it wasn't Rick. I like how increasingly annoyed she, because I, I was getting annoyed with him yeah. as well. <laughs> well, and he's like so insistent and she's like, dude, no, I've said no. Like why? Like, you know, and, and he's like, he's like getting angry about it. And I can see from his perspective why he would feel that way because he's just been following these leads for so long and he just wants an answer so bad um but you know he's like it's rick and she's like no 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 it's not rick and he's like no it's rick and she's like um no it's not and then so he's like leaving because he's so frustrated which i was like great idea why don't you yell at this girl who's gonna help you and then like and she's like oh it's lee and and that was that was a good scene because you're like you're like oh shit she just said Lee and <laughs> now you're like and he's like what what Lee you just said Lee Lee right 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 Lee and you're like oh my god and so it's it's so much more like shit the Zodiac killer has got to be Arthur Lee Allen you know what I mean and first of all John Carroll Lynch always plays creepy characters like. He's like Don McManus. Like, I've never seen Don McManus in a role where I'm not like, I'm just marginally freaked out. <laughs> you know, like, whenever you see John Carroll Lynch in, like, anything, like, I think he was in Gothica, and I think he was, like, like a rapist in that, and I was, I was like, of course he is. <laughs> like, why wouldn't he be? You know what I mean? Like, he's just, he just, he plays a lot of creepy characters. It's, it's hard to, like, see him in a role where he might be a nice guy, because my first immediate thought is, that guy's gonna be a dick it's like like joe pantoliano do you know him yeah like whenever i see him in anything i'm like that guy's gonna be a dick like i i like joe pantoliano as an actor i think he's good but i've just i've seen too many of his movies where he's you know matrix and memento and he's like a dick in both of those so whatever but anyway as uh does he it, eat an apple <laughs> um maybe he does in the matrix he's a steak i think right he's a steak in the matrix yeah doesn't he or is that a different character that's like i know that the matrix is going to tell me this steak is delicious i don't know i don't i haven't somebody seen somebody it's forever. been a long time since i've seen it but yeah, i think i i don't know no i think i sold them i really like the scene like the way that lee allen the way that he plays lee allen yeah. is like I mean, the movie is scripted, so he's supposed to act this way, but right. he acts like somebody who would be a murderer because he's, like, feigning to be very helpful, and he's, like, you know, just kind of acting like a creepy, helpful guy, and then later in the movie, Toski's like, he wrote me a letter. I've been in the force for so many, I've been on the police force for years, and I've lots of suspects i've interviewed none of them have ever wrote me a letter and the letter was like i'm sorry i wasn't your guy you know but let me know if you need anything <laughs> yeah. and, and like just that suspicious behavior sorry, i wasn't a serial killer but, i know such a bummer <laughs> that scene where they're all sitting around the table at his workplace and interviewing him and like he has the zodiac brand watch uh -huh. and i was well, thinking and he's limping too and they mentioned something about 
um, hit like someone who they thought was a zodiac. Someone, again, a lot of exposition, so I don't quite remember, but it was some someone mentioned that the person that they thought was guilty got their foot crushed and he was limping. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and he had like in his shoes were like, they didn't really say, but they made a big, like, there was a, a long pause where one of the detectives was looking at his shoes for a long time. So I assumed it was like um, a size. It looked similar to the size and maybe like right. military style shoe. They didn't, they didn't ever. I thought that they should have said that after the scene. I thought he should have been like, did you see his shoes? They were obviously bought at a surplus store or something. But yeah, they didn't. But he was wearing like a Zodiac brand watch. And I thought that, that was an interesting character trait because in our, in like my head, not a serial killer, like in my mind, I'd be like, I can't wear this Zodiac watch because I'm the Zodiac. But in a killer's mind, it's like cat and mouse. Like I'm wearing a Zodiac brand watch, but you can't pin this on me. You know, and I, I liked that detail. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was interesting. And, and like the house, the, the trailer he lived in was so gross, like full of squirrels and and, yeah, and it then looked dirty and dark <laughs> and like depressing. And I, I, I think that with as far as like what you were saying, like I wouldn't watch the wear the watch if I was a Zodiac killer. I agree with that. I I would think that if I was a serial killer, I would also not wear the watch. But their like their mental state is obviously not ours. And I think that with serial killers is that they usually believe that they are much smarter than the cops that are trying to find them. Yeah, that's they can get away with that. That's yeah. why I felt that that was a good character yeah. trait for him to have. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's. I mean, there were definitely like little bits and pieces that were great in this film, but overall, it's just it's exhausting to watch because it's it's just too much talking. And there needs to be more, you know, and it's just, it's like a lack of the, just a lack of something. Yeah. It's just, it's just too superficial. Like they don't, they don't dig into anything deep enough, any character deep enough, any storyline deep enough. And Um, I think it really becomes really like sort of fast paced towards the end, like the last 45 minutes, you know, because that's when, you know, so Robert goes to the prison to visit Clea Duvall's character and then he goes to Toski and he's like, and he like presents all this information. And so Toski's like, oh shit, maybe you're right. Maybe Lee Allen is this, like, you're really getting close. Like maybe he really is the serial killer. And, um, and then there's like that one, what is it? That one part, I'm like totally blanking now. What was I just thinking of? Oh, when they bring um, the, the first victim the the dude Jimmy Simpson's that that plays by this played by Jimmy Simpson Mike Mike Mago Magoo Majo or whatever Majo um Magoo <laughs> he's Mago. a terrible driver <laughs> um, so Mike Majo they bring him in again to talk to that dude that looks like J- John Ritter um <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, I didn't think about that until now, but you're right. He did kind of look like John Ritter. Right, like I was, as I was watching it, my mom I was like, does that guy look like John Ritter to you? And she's like, yeah, but it's not him. And I was like, I know, but doesn't it look like him? And she's like, yeah, I can see the resemblance. I'm like, that's all I wanted. Anyway, and um, and he points out Lee Allen in the lineup. In, that, in, the, I, picture lineup. in the wiki page, it said that he, that I believe he pointed like he pointed out Lee Allen and said that's him as well. Yeah. And I was curious, did Robert Graysmith's book, because in the movie, 
Robert Grace's book had come out prior to him pointing at Lee Allen. And I was wondering if in real life, and I didn't search for this, I, I wondered because I was like, is that reliable if somebody wrote a book compiling all this evidence and you happen to read it and see his photo in the book or do, I don't, you know. Right. Like, right. But, oh, actually, I think I did read that Graysmith used um, pseudonyms maybe for the, because oh. I, I don't think you can write a book and point so maybe actually i'm answering my own question because um i don't think you can write a book about somebody who's alive and like accuse them of murder and use their name yeah no i think so i think well, he yeah, actually someone used, could sue you for like libel. yeah or... so he actually i think that answers my question because i was thinking as i was watching the movie i was like he could have just read the book but in real life he did also say that lee allen was the one who did it so i guess he wouldn't have been led because the name wouldn't have been in the right. book so that was an interesting scene as well i thought well, they probably wouldn't have had his picture in there either sure yeah, yeah. because he was still alive and they right. couldn't use it but um because mike Majot disappeared like after after he survived the murder attempt they couldn't the cops could never find him and they finally right. found him but we never learn how he found his, you know like there's all these threads that are just like dangling where i'm like i would have liked to know the story of like mike Majot a little bit yeah and the other guy who was at the lake with his girlfriend and they got stabbed and that scene i actually like looked away i didn't i don't oh, like yeah, watching that scene, that scene at all i know i was hugging a pillow during those yeah scenes. like i was like it was so and um Oof. but he survived as well and his girlfriend died and he was in and I believe he was listening. And that's when they said the guy who called into the TV show wasn't actually Zodiac because his voice was different. Right. But we never, we don't see those two victims anymore ever. Right. And I would have liked to seen a little bit more about them too. Well, and they're like not even interviewed. Like you don't see them interviewed by the police. Right, exactly. Like you, there's no, like there's no sort of like impact to these people's life. Like, like, so you're looking at Mike Majot and okay, first of all, this is I don't I don't know how true this is this is information I got from like a friend but I had a friend that was really into Jimmy Simpson and she's like and she told me that oh and like no wonder he looks the way he does in that movie because he was going through a divorce at that time like in real life and I thought that that was interesting so I was like so he already has to play like a very you know like i'm assuming a very emotionally messed up character because that's gonna fuck you up like bet like you know what i mean like you're gonna suffer from ptsd there's gonna be a whole host of issues there like you don't you don't walk away from that and you're normal you know what i mean like you know what i get you know what i mean i don't mean like normal but like you get what i mean um and there's just like no like and i so i thought that was kind of interesting but it, he just looked like he just looked so sad you know like just, there's just like this guy went through something super traumatizing when he was young and but we don't ever find out like what kind of life he's you know lived or and like what you said we don't hear from the victims we don't hear um like one of the victims say like oh yeah the guy looked like this he had this and this aspect about him and you know he was like five foot ten whatever you know what i mean we just don't ever like hear any of that so it's as we have said 
you you you're like lacking the meat and the bones of the story it's just like it's just a a hollow shell you know and and i know that david fincher is a better director than that you know you you might not agree but (laughs) um i and so it's very disappointing especially since it is such an emotionally driven like it's an emotionally driven subject but not an emotionally driven film yes and i will concur that i've seen david fincher create characters that are compelling yeah so he does have talents i'm not you know i'm not super fan of his work and i think that his his work is just has issues that i don't like but i do agree with you that i think like he's good at characters and he just did like the characters in this movie this movie just not not just not well done like like give us more you know well and the thing is they're not even characters they're real people well yeah that's another thing so yeah you know it's 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 like you can't tell an emotionally like compelling story without adding emotion to it you know and it's and we're watching as viewers and we're just like this guy's bad this guy's really bad but we're not like oh my god i hope they catch him like this is so scary like and it's i would have what i would have really liked to hear is i would have really liked to hear um like stuff about like just citizens who are like i'm flipped out i can't like i'm i can't sleep at night i'm scared that i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna be murdered like because that was a legitimate thing that was happening was uh, there was in especially during like the 60s or the 70s 60s and 70s the west coast area had a lot of serial killers like a lot of serial killers like it was like ted bundy was around there and edmund kemper and fucking richard ramirez like it was chock full of people that were murdering other people so like to me the 70s was probably a really scary time you know and the 60s and 70s and so but we don't ever hear about these you know like i would have just and i don't need to hear necessarily from like one specific person i just want to hear them go like citizens are freaking out and they're worried and and everyone's panicking and scared but you just again there's no like emotion to that so yeah and i would have liked to seen like especially something we talked about earlier where the zodiac says you know now i'm just going to be doing run-of-the-mill murders and you're never going to know it's me and i not that i want to see murders all the time but i think that they should have shown a few other murders that the cops are like is this him is this not him yeah like i think so too i think that would have maybe made it more interesting like you don't need to show like the gruesome details of the murders but you could just have them um investigating other crimes that they're like okay well last night a homeless person was killed and this this and this or the other day this man or this woman was killed and and have that because that would have maybe kept the action up a little and that's why i thought maybe a movie where Toski is more in the center could be compelling because they have to sort through all these things and all these like people coming forward and in and they just they don't have time because they have so right. much to fill in this movie that they they're just like it's just one thing after another there's no time to like land and explore and and i think that that is just does the movie a really big disservice especially since they've got two hours and 45 minutes to fill and they couldn't fill it with with a movie that was like compelling to me you know yeah no and i agree with you and you know i think part of 
a good film could have been the relationship between Toski and Graysmith. Right. You know, because they at first have a pretty tense relationship. But Toski is like, you need to let this go. This isn't your business. Like, you're not a cop. Let it go. But Graysmith can't let it go. He's an armchair detective, you know? And to I think exploring their relationship where they go from kind of like okay I can't fucking stand you and you need to leave me alone to like all right you might actually have some compelling ideas and you actually are pretty helpful would have been interesting but again there's none of that and there's not even any real like emotional you know connection between him like losing his partner Armstrong to the front. Yeah, like, it's almost like it feels like Anthony Edwards just had another movie that he had to work on, so they had to write him out because he right. never comes back. They don't mention him ever. No, nope. yeah. But I, I would have liked like something that was also angering, and I'm sure that this is part of the real story because they talked about it multiple times because like the jurisdictions didn't share information yeah but robert graysmith got all this extra information and was able to like put all this stuff together and i would have liked to seen just how that all works with the police because they had all this information but wouldn't share it with each other and they just the whole time were just antagonistic toward each other and not really working together but we don't know why Right. Like why? Why I'm sure there's an explanation in the book why I like know. police are prideful creatures or something, you know, like we don't share. I don't know, but in the movie I'm just like why are these guys always like angry with each other? And if this guy is walking around murdering people in different areas, why wouldn't they put their heads together and like really get down to brass tacks but instead Graysmith is the one who's like i read this in the vallejo files and toski's like what that was in the files and i'm like why why is Graysmith getting all this information i don't get it i don't either and i know that that was a big issue as to um why a lot of serial killers like ted bundy and he's a really great example because he was killing for a long time and he killed a lot of women um and he got away with it for so long because no one was sharing information with each other. So he's in Oregon and he's in Washington and he's in California and wherever out, like I got in West Coast and he's murdering all these women. And everyone's just like, oh, that's weird that this other murder seems to be similar to this murder that was in California. Not my problem, not my jurisdiction. And it's like, it is your problem if you're a goddamn fucking cop. And fucking people are dying out there, like, and being killed. Like, that is your your fucking problem. Like, oh my god, I have so I I just like the more I listen to murder podcasts, and then I hear a cop about like not doing their job. I'm like, that's a big fucking surprise that a cop didn't do their job. Like, it's just it's incredibly frustrating and it's really saddening because there are real people dying out there and people just aren't doing anything about it. You know, and and this is their jobs. And they're not doing anything. It's like, when does a job, when does a person's life, regardless of who they are or what their occupation is or what their race is, when does their life not become a priority for you to solve their murder? You know what I mean? Like, when are they not worth, like, having that, that sort of closure, you know, or their families? Like, what, what defines a person as no longer being a person? you know and that's that's what's so it's just so upsetting and so messed up you know yeah yeah it is yeah it's really sad yeah 
anyway, so I just went on a tangent on there. Obviously, I feel very passionate about that. Um, uh, there's a, I, I know you haven't seen a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but there's a, a season or a scene. It, no, it's an episode and it's with Sterling K. Brown. And he's like this really arrogant, like, and I like Sterling K. Brown because I, I think he's a decent actor. And he's like a really arrogant, like dental, like a surgeon or something like that. And they think that he killed his partner, but they like can't prove that he killed his partner. And so there's one scene where they're talking about like the etymology behind like dentists and Captain Holt starts getting like really like angry. And he's like, and first of all, the etymology behind blah, 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 whatever. And then later you see him like just call, like drinking water and he looks like he's all like shook up and he's like, obviously that was a little bit of a trigger for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just reminds me of what that's it. That's a great episode. I don't want to give it away because the ending is so like, you're like, what it's so good the ending is so good and it's kind of a bottle episode so if you wanted to watch it like on your own oh, okay without watching the rest you could just watch that episode. Oh, okay yeah yeah just cool to let you know because <laughs> i talked know. to you about it before i've talked to you about that episode before oh, okay because it's just such a great it's just such a good like it's just so good it's so good and it's like Oh, I love that show. <laughs> I still haven't watched the ending because I'm like, I I have to finish the season, and I heard that the season doesn't series doesn't end like super well. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I guess, satisfying enough, but not like yeah, like, it could have been more satisfying. Not now. like what a fan would maybe want. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, would you recommend this movie? I think overall, yes. I would give it with the caveat, like I would say, if you're really interested in true crime, especially the Zodiac. It is an interesting movie to watch. It has a lot of interesting information. I don't think it's necessarily given to us in the best way. And it is a long movie. It is two, it's over two and a half hours. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. So if you're going to watch it, you just better be prepared to sit there for a while. Um, if you're a big David Fincher fan, sure. If you like any of the actors, sure. They're all, they all do great. They all have great performances. Um, I think it's a well-acted movie, but it's, it just lacks something. It lacks a certain something and it's very long and it's not, it does not need to be that long. So I'd say like, yeah, I would recommend it, but you know, it, I think it just, it depends on just what you're into personally. What about you? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. That's It's, um, I don't know if. If anyone is just tuning in, I find it long-winded and bloated. <laughs> do you? Do you? Yeah, I just don't. I don't. And wait, can I ask you another question? How do you feel about other David Fincher films? I'm glad you asked because I find them also long-winded and bloated. Do you? Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, Lauren, Lauren had us have like a little Fincher marathon, and what she unknowingly did was turn me against <laughs> David Fincher's movies. It was an accident. <laughs> uh, no, I just think. I think that uh, it's just not a very good movie. I think it has moments where it's it's yeah it's decent, sure. and I think it has moments of promise, with scenes that are really well done, performances that are really well done. But none of those are enough to resurrect it as a whole to make it a worthwhile evening watching a movie. Uh, I, and it's like Lauren said, way too long, way 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 too long. And uh, just watch something else. There's probably plenty of other crime thrillers that are 
worth watching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, I just, no, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you know, watch the Bone Collector. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> like, a good. That's go. good. Watch the Bone Collector. Yeah, um, yeah, I like compared to like the last week's one over Zodiac. I would say that I prefer Kiss the Girls over Zodiac. I would too. Weirdly enough, even yeah. though I have many issues with Kiss the Girls. Um, I it's at least knows its place in the world, and that it's not well, going to take ten action. years to watch. Yeah, like it, it actually keeps you interested in it, though, because it keeps like the move, the story going. It doesn't like have these stale, like state, you know, parts where you're like, okay, <laughs> let's get going. Go yeah, on. and yeah. since it's a fictionalized story, uh, you find out who the murderer is and everything. And I think part of the reason that Zodiac just doesn't satisfy is because it's based on a real story and there's just no ending even now you know there's just names but there's there's no definite so that also i think does it a disservice um and maybe if the movie was done better that non-ending would have been okay uh but uh, yeah like a, a crime thriller that's like a fiction crime thriller or one where like they know who did it right um at least would have that ending yeah i i agree with you i think i think if it if zodiac was a better movie like just to reiterate what you said that with the whole not knowing who he is i think could have been like really compelling and really interesting because first of all i i don't i don't necessarily like unsolved things but there are certain ones that i'm like really like into like this disappearance of like susan powell although you pretty much know who killed her it's pretty obvious that it was her husband but um it's like but with this story and it's held the interest of people for so long for decades and decades that i think that in if it was a better film having the whole aspect of you not knowing or you never knowing who this guy is could have been something that could have been great but because it was so well you know so long winded and bloated it it just lost the effect of it it was like it was just too long and especially in this day and age like you you just can't have movies that long nowadays. It's well, unless, that's not necessarily true. You're right. You know what? <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. You're totally right. I'm like thinking. I'm like immediately. I was like, Titanic was that long, and I was like, and Titanic is a great film. <laughs> um, I mean, Titanic probably could have been cut down a little bit, but you know, it, but you, like, either way, people have very short attention spans. If you're gonna have a movie that this that is this long, you need to have it be compelling the entire time. It can't have just as much exposition as it did because there was so much fucking talking that like, I don't even remember half the things that they talked about because it was too much, you know? And a lot of it was just um, going on the assumption that we knew what they were talking about a lot right, of the time right. and they're dealing with all these different people and crimes and names and, and situations and I'm just trying to keep it all straight and i'm like okay i'm not in the detective office with you every day you've got to you've got to act like you're telling me this for the first time you know right like act like you are like i'm your intern and i've never heard about any of this and so you're sitting me down and you're going look at this look at this and these are they how they connect and i'm like oh okay cool interesting 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 and they're like well it's not cool it's murder and i'm like right now cool not cool 
So you can follow us on Instagram at Watchers and Movies and Facebook at Watchers and Movies. And if you want to email us, you can email us at watchersandmovies at gmail.com. Or if you like our stuff, you can and you want us to review a specific movie, go on to iTunes, give us five stars. It helps us get out there. It helps you get your stuff. Um, you know, we'll put it at the top of our list and then, you know, and and great. <laughs> and uh, and also uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere there. You could listen to podcasts We're we're pretty much everywhere. Um, just Give us a Google, a Yahoo as I like to call it. That's what I, I have to call my Google home or else he thinks I'm talking to him and then he starts talking back. So, <laughs> um, He's just eager to help. I know. No, I use him a lot for like the weather, like in the humidity. I'm like, what's the humidity outside? He's like, it's 92%. I'm like, ew. <laughs> um, and thanks so much to Mike for our theme music. Yes, his name is Mike Myers. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. And thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. And I think that's it, right? That's yeah. right. Bye. Bye.